Hey guys, Tim Short, Scotthridge Manor, doing a Saturday morning podcast here. Uh, been kind of a oh low energy weekend actually. Um, kind of doing some casual stuff. I got a got my trifecta finally. You know how they release the old uh, Count Chocula, Booberry, and Frankenberry for the Halloween season. Well, I had devoured the Booberries and I devoured the Count Count Chocula, so I scored myself some Frankenberry this morning as a little rite of passage for my Halloween. So, gotta get it. You know why not? Why not? So today, what I'm gonna do is I just received the BX Essentials Adventures and Treasures Tome in my my mailbox today from necrotic gnome so what i thought i'd do is do a opening you know kind of first impressions i bought this i don't know rpg now takes a while to ship out stuff sometimes uh i think this i ordered this oh i want to say two weeks probably a little bit more than two weeks ago but i finally got it uh there and uh you know while i do have the pdf and i can always look through the pdf I'm not, I don't know, I don't do, I don't look at the PDF until I get the book. I don't know, it's a weird thing I do. I just, it's just not the same for me. Now, once I get the book, I'll use the shit out of the PDF when I'm when I'm going places and I don't want to drag a bunch of books with me. I, I have it on like my, either my hard drive or I have it on like my little library of books that I use on my flash drive. And this one will definitely go on a flash drive for me to use when I'm out and about going around, so... All right, so I'll see if this works. I'm putting put my phone on my knee, so if you hear a smash, bam, boom, that means the phone fell off. So I'm in my car doing this again. So first thing, we got another nice little purple color, uh, kind of a real dark color. Uh, purple kind of goes with all the themes of their like gold for the core rules. I can't remember them right now, but they have like red for the monsters and. And that, uh, let me see, the cover art is by Andrew Walker. I think he's, I think he's the one who's done all the rest. I can't remember offhand. Got this uh, kind of weird little idol, statue idol, kind of <laughs> kind of cool looking thing. Now that, now that I'm taking a look at all the details in there. So you got this statue with the, holding a glowing axe. And then it's got, where its body is, it's almost shaped like a t- big tooth mouth. And there's just tons of gold and little gems in there and and then hanging from the ceiling are these like skull-like spheres that have like these red tentacles clinging to them kind of cool looking then you got two adventurers one lady adventurers kind of looking up at the axe and then you got a halfling grabbing a gem out of the mouth of the statue so Let's see, the writing and layouts by Gavin Norman, and looks like lots of different uh, folks. I'm not going to get into all of them right now. But this is the fifth book in the series of BX Essentials, and I have to say, uh, you know, they're, they're just so well laid out, and Gavin does a wonderful job. Uh, and just kind of a weird aside, though, he, he, does, them, he, he does this weird little green highlight and circles numbers and i don't know it's just very pleasing to the eye in that so um let's see adventure scenarios he's got let's see about so this is called adventures and treasures okay so the first part of it let's go to the table of contents before i jump around 
is they have adventure scenarios, designing a dungeon, random dungeon room contents, designing a wilderness, designing a base town, dungeon encounter tables, wilderness encounter tables, and stronghold encounters, NPC parties. So the first half of it's all about designing and getting your little adventures going. So that is very cool. Uh, they have a, he has random tables for the setting for the dungeon and how to, and then like, it looks like uh, four steps on choosing setting, choosing monsters, map the dungeon, and then stock the dungeon. Uh, I, I'm more of, uh, maybe choose the setting, then map the dungeon, then choose your monsters. I kind of flip flop those around and then stock your dungeon. But a lot of times what I'll do too is uh, one of the things I've, I've, I've come to do is, are, you know how they have those, um, what is it, the uh, treasure tables in the back. And I kind of use those loosely, but sometimes I kind of use them um, as written. And what I'll do is I'll, I won't write down any treasure in my first first pass at writing the adventure. What I'll or let's just confine it to a dungeon because sometimes an adventure involves with a whole bunch of different separate areas. But say you have a like a, a dungeon complex with you know 15 rooms in it. What I'll do is I'll take all the monsters that are there, do all the rolls on all the mon on all the treasure tables, and then that's how I distribute who gets what. Um, there, because I mean, if you think about it, if like you know, and this is just an example, there's a group of bugbears and a group of goblins in there. Well, the goblins aren't going to have very much treasure except what they're able to hide from the bugbears because the bugbears are going to thump them on the head and take their little trinkets. So, uh, the bugbears will have the majority of the treasure because they're bigger and stronger and don't care if they thump heads to get it. Uh, and kind of, and then then I also have incidental treasures. And anybody who's familiar with my adventures knows that there's a lot of times where there's been adventures who've come before, and they'll find an adventurer's backpack or loot just sitting there because they failed to, let's say, disarm a trap and um, were shot through the chest with a trap. So now you've got this old adventurer who's, you know turning to dust but all his equipment's still there unless some wandering monsters come by or a monsters come by and it's taken it off so i do add incidental treasure on top of maybe what the the monster treasure is how i determine that i don't really have any set way i do it sometimes what i'll do it's just to get an idea if like i'm not really sure what to do i'll roll a any die and low means there's little to no incidental treasure or if I start rolling high, there's going to be some, you know, maybe a, some cool trinkets that adventurers left by. Just arbitrary determination by a roll of the die, you know, just trying to figure it, you know, get some idea of it. Um, and then it goes into random dungeon room contents, and he's got some good lists here. He's got uh, um, room traps here. And then he's got the random table of what's inside the room, empty monster special and then trap and then kind of like the old what was it the monsters and treasure assortment back in back in the day i think there was volume one through three um they had something similar to this which was which was i, I still use today every now and then 
And um, Gavin here has uh, listed some treasures. Here he's got like level one treasures, 1D6 times 150%, uh, six times 10 gold pieces, 5%, uh, get, and then gems, and then a 2% chance at a magic item. Uh, good little tables, not something I would use so much, like I said, because I, I do it a different way. But if you're doing it on the, on the um, go, then it's definitely worthwhile. Designing a wilderness. So you choose your setting, map the region, locate human realms, locate non-human realms, place the base town, place dungeons, and then create regional encounter maps, which I think are kind of solid, solid way to do it. And then it has create, creating your base town. Definitely. I'll tell you the truth, I create my base town before I even do the wilderness. I for Because I start from the bottom up, and my bottom is like a village or... Um, in this Latin, my, my, um, current campaign, it's actually just a hamlet, but it's a growing hamlet here soon. And it's kind of going to be a little industrial, industrious area. Uh, I kind of, I mean, I guess if I had to think of something that would be to give an example, it's almost like Deadwood. It's like a small town, very, very small, but it's very dense. There's going to be a lot of stuff into it because there's fortunes to be made, but it's dangerous. And, you know, there's a lot of recycling of, of uh, you know, human labor is cheap. Probably the cheapest material, you know, shovels and picks cost more than buying a person to work a lot of times in this, in these areas. So, um, dungeon encounter table. So you get, you know, this nice table like that. It looks like it's a D20 table. All set through levels one through eight plus. Um, just kind of giving it a peruse, guys. Kind of your standard monster array. I'm sure most of these are in the monster table that they they do. So nothing too wacky going on. So you, if you need something kind of generic um, to to help you out. Now before. Generic doesn't mean bad. Generic actually means I, I like it. Almost some of the stuff that I write is like what I what they call. I think they were using the term good vanilla, um, and that's kind of what I try to write a lot of. I wanted to be able to for someone to adapt it to their campaign fairly easily, um, so I don't get too gonzo with my stuff. Uh, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but uh, that's just not that's just not what I write. And when I say generic, I mean something that's easy to fit in to anybody's campaign. Even a Gonzo campaign or something as uh, low-keyed as mine. Because, I mean, um, I might have to look up the stats for a Gecko Lizard. Because I don't have that by hand. Um, but it's what I like about these encounters, it looks like he's, he's they've included encounters that are not just combat encounters, but possibly role-playing encounters like... Uh, traders, uh, acolytes, um, let's see, dwarves, and halflings. So not necessarily are all of them, you know, what we call monster encounters, random monster encounters. It's just random encounters. So you can get, and I think that's something that does get lost when folks do create these tables, that uh, not everything on the road is going to try to kill you, or nothing, and not everything in the wilderness is going to try to kill you. you there is possibility you'll encounter another hunter or you'll encounter 
um, I don't know, friendly um, animal of some sort. It doesn't necessarily have to be an um, animal that's always trying to eat someone. Plus, when you do that, it also keeps the players kind of guessing, and they're not, it's just, you know, if you see something moving, they're like, oh, we shoot it, because every time we do that, you know, they, they kill us. So, lots of different wilderness encounter tables here. These are really nice. These are all um, divided up by terrain type, uh, which is nice. Then we get into the stronghold encounters. We got the ruler patrols, garrison reaction. I kind of just I kind of use this. I was making that uh, for my Patreon. I just finished up uh, Perdition Pass, and I, this would have been probably a nice little thing. Kind of. Kind of already looks like I used it pretty close to what they did too. Oh, there's another rendition of the demon with the fire, sitting with the fire uh, from the player's handbook. NPC parties placing treasure, which is always interesting because I think that could be used more often. Um, finding interesting ways to discover treasure and hide treasure. Let's see what Gavin's got here. Woo, treasure types. He's got big hordes there. He doesn't go, there's no random table for placing the treasure. It says there are two methods to decide the treasure. There's a random table in the, the treasure and assortments, which was kind of fun. It, it tells it sometimes it tells you what, there's a table of what container in it, it's in and what, uh, how it's hidden. So sometimes it's fun like that. Like the one adventure I wrote, uh, there's like two clay vases filled with, I think it's coins. I can't remember. But they're, they're sitting in the hallway off to the side, but they're turned invisible, so nobody can see them unless they basically trip over them and all the, the coins go all over the place. And since they're made of clay, there's a good chance it's just going to break apart. It's got something about gems and jewelry. I did a thing a while ago about gems and jewelry. I haven't really used it all that much. Uh, I kind of got the idea from Spartacus uh, years ago that was a really interesting series on, I think it I forgot what it was off of uh, um, stars I believe now it's on one of the streaming channels and that but anyways they, they were talking about how the gems go in and out of style depending on the year so I kind of made that kind of made a table of that like so if the emeralds are in style that year their value goes up by a certain percentage but say they you know the next year when amethysts are in style the uh, value of emeralds drops below their listed value. And it kind of gives an interesting movement of, of the economy and trends. And whether you want to get into that kind of detail is, is always tricky. I, I, I did it once because they were mainly in a city, but like where I'm at now with them, they're out in the wilderness. It's more of a um, exploration kind of thing. It's not really going to come into play, so I'm not using it. Uh, because they don't, a lot of those guys, if you bring in a big gem, they're going to just kind of figure out what our base value is and go from there, how much they can make from it. Uh, and then he's got a magic item section, pulling magic items, identifying magic items. What I do for this, guys, the whole magic item thing, because there's, I think in some of the things, there's no real... Um, what do you call it, uh, identify spell. So what I have in my campaign is I have the guys do, they have to use like a first level spell slot, just a generic one, and they can use it to identify the spell. 
or for potions and everything. The whole little sipping thing doesn't work. I don't, I don't know. For some reason, I never liked that part of it. Uh, they have to actually kind of do a little bit of research on the potions. They can either use the first level spell to identify a potion, or they can just spend like a day with it, do a little bit of research in town, and then they'll figure it out. Um, let's see what else here. So he's got some tables for the magic items. Really well done. Really nice done. I mean, Gavin does a great job with with layout and presenting things in a easy to um, read and find manner and everything. Lots of named, you know, the kind of more like the uh, the magic items from the first edition um, Dungeon Master's Guide. Uh, you know, Medallion of ESP. He's got two of those from 30 feet, 90 feet. Horn of Blasting. Helm of Teleportation, Helm of tele Telepathy, Helm of Reading Languages and Magic, Helm of Alignment Change. Ooh, that was always a bad one. Um, Girdle of Giant Strength, Gauntlets of Overpower. There you go. Those are some good ones. Um, so kind of like your standard D&D. &D. And then he's got the potions in the back, which are great. Uh, he's got from audience to treasure finding different ones um, got and then there's there's descriptions on all these things too throughout here so that's it's nice to have he's got scrolls and maps oh that's cool the map one's kind of fun um i love giving i love giving players treasure maps because it's like i don't know for it just kind of ignites that little kid spirit in you and you know you want to find out what the treasure is and you, you know got to go dig it and find it and just the exploration i mean finding this stuff is one thing but or i mean uh getting this stuff is one thing but finding it is a whole nother i mean i the the whole exploration of it and trying to figure out where it's at and the digging up that's usually way more better than what the treasure is it's just that excitement of just doing it is a lot of fun and uh, I was planning on doing that, kind of throwing that out there with one of the uh, guys here pretty soon because um, it's going to just kind of throw it out there as a carrot and whether they take it or not is up to them. But I kind of wanted to draw an old-timey kids-type treasure map and everything, and that'd be fun. Then there's a section on swords, and it looks like uh, there's the... He does a little thing on curse swords doesn't go okay it doesn't really go into anything about intelligence oh there we go sentient sword just on page 42 so there you go special purpose we'll have to do that wand stabs and rods nice selection of those again from your you know your standard um dmg first edition kind of stuff and then the an array of different weapons and then we get into sentient swords which is kind of cool they have could have different languages Empathy or speech, sensory powers and alignment. So that's that's cool. Maybe I'll yeah. There's something definitely gonna throw in a sentient sword because these are just fun to do. I, I loved like one. I can't remember. It was a couple campaigns ago where um, one of the guys got a sentient sword. The GM played it so well because just the sword would just argue with the player. And it was like they were a married couple. It was so fun. It was fun. I mean, we enjoyed uh, the role-playing aspect of that. It was. It made it an amusing encounter. And some of the arguments they would get into is just. It was just fantastic. So, 
But that's where it kind of ends at uh, with the sentient swords. Again, guys, the whole thing, the layout itself, is it's a two-column layout. Very clean. Um, left and right justified margins. Good gutter in between. Some of the folks who do these left and right you know, two-column things, they make the damn gutter too small. And you need to have a little bit more space. And Gavin does that. The artwork is very subtle enhances what's going on it doesn't overwhelm anything um nice little black and white pieces uh, the headers he's got um gavin does a really good job of doing like the, you know you've got your header you got your subheader and he does a good job of detailing all those and making it make sense uh using font bold um different different sizes so you know, kudos to, to get. And then if you guys have never, if you haven't gotten the BX Essentials and you're kind of curious about it, I go by the, um, I mean, the books are very cheap themselves. I can't remember. I think they're $7.99 um, for one of the books. There's five right now, but uh, a while ago they had a bundle sale too. So I know there's a, uh, I, I don't know if it's still there or not, but I believe he has a bundle. If not, I know when those sales come around, Gavin participates in them. Like, you know, when they did Christmas in July, I think I get I got in on that. Now, that's how I got the first three books. I got the bundle of the first three books in PDFs, and, and it was enough that now every time he puts something out, I buy it immediately. I don't even wait for a sale because I know I'm going to get my money's worth. And I'm going to use it, which is, I mean, if it's something that you know you're going to use, then absolutely, you know it's definitely worthwhile so all right guys well that's it that's my summary of my first peek through bx essentials adventures and treasures by necrotic gnome um it's uh let me read the back just real quick i guess it's a uh, the bx essential line is a reinstatement of the classic rule set given a fresh new presentation focused on usability basic and expert rules seamlessly combined um streamed layout optimized for ease and reference during play and it is it is absolutely that part of it is absolutely true meticulously researched to guarantee 100 percent accurate rendition of the classic rules of yesteryear and gavin has a um group on uh g plus it's bx essentials group or something like that and if he's not sure about something, he actually throws it out to the group and they have a discussion. So he, he I mean, he does his research and he does not, um, he's not afraid of asking what other people think about a certain rule. Actually, he's pretty open with everything. And then the last is the clarif uh, carefully clarified ironing out ambigu ambiguity, ugh, ambiguities, I think that's how you say it, and the original rules. And that's what I was saying. If there was something he's not sure about, that's when he kind of throws it out to the crowd. This is the fifth book presents guidelines for adventure creation, random encounter tables, treasure generation rules, and the complete list of magic items. So, yep, worthwhile getting, guys. So go take a look at it. Again, BX Essentials, Adventures and Treasures by Necrotic Games. Peace out, guys. Have a good weekend and take care.